The Mental Pulse podcast provides different perspectives on life as an athlete. Guests reflect on their athletic careers and its impact on their lives then and now. Ultimately, our goal is to help athletes realize that they are more than just their sport. Hi, it's Coach T. Please support the sale of my book, Finding Live. The theme of this book is athletic identity, being more than an athlete. This book focuses on the main character, Olivia, where she realizes that she is more than an athlete and that she likes other things outside of her sport. Her identity is not in sports. If you have a daughter or a son, or if you know of a young kid, this will be a great children's book for them. This book is a great gift for any occasion, birthday, baby shower, Christmas, Easter, or just because. In addition, this is a great book for your child to practice their daily reading. You can find this book on my website, www.thementalpulse.com. Lastly, if you're looking for a speaker for your class, team, or organization to discuss identity development or being more than your sport, please contact me. Thank you so much for your support in advance. Please subscribe to our podcast on the following platforms, Spotify, Apple, and Google. Also, please rate and provide a review of this podcast. Lastly, please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at The Mental Pulse. Uh, the game make me feel alive. Winning, winning again, that's what's on my mind. Gotta stay focused, always on the mental grind. The Mental Pulse, The Mental Pulse. Welcome to the Mental Pulse Podcast. Today we have with us Mr. Rod Flowers. Welcome, Rod. Hey, how you doing? Hey, doing well, doing well. Hey, so Rod, to get us going, please start off telling us who you are, your background, and your athletic identity story. Okay. My name is Rod Flowers. I'm originally from uh, Huntsville, Alabama. Grew up, went to Butler High School back in the day. Played basketball all of my years in middle school, high school. I, I didn't go to middle school in Huntsville. I was middle school. I was in Uniontown, Alabama, which is a small, a small city. That's where my dad was from. So I moved to Huntsville when I was in the ninth grade. I mean, 10th grade, after my ninth grade year, went to Butler, played there for three years, and also uh, fortunate enough to get a scholarship to go play University of Cincinnati, played there, and then played, fortunate enough to play five years professionally overseas. Sports has taught me a lot. I mean, it's, it's really, without sports, I don't even think I would even be, I don't know where I would be, <laughs> to be honest with you, without sports. From the mental approach, from the, you know, the grinding, each level, you learn a little bit more about yourself. You know, in high school, you you know, you're going off natural ability. Get to college, it's more grinding and talent level is the same. And then you start being professional, it's more about taking care of your body, doing things like that, that you wouldn't, people do for you in college that you had to do for yourself when you come so, yeah, yeah. Okay. I hope I answered. Hope I answered. Yeah, you did. You did. So going back to Cincinnati. So you played at Butler. Let's go back there. You played at mm-hmm. Butler. So you played during the time that they had this really good girls team, right? And yes, no I played. Yep, 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 yep. Uh, but our girls, man, it's crazy because when I I was my temporary year with, with Nikki Tibbs and uh, uh, Tashika Morris and Von Kurt, uh, Tar Taylor, all them girls, man. But anyway, back in high school when I first got to Butler they used to practice like 
five o'clock in the morning <laughs> feel like it. I don't know, like crazy. So by the time I, we get to school, they drenched out, they done worked out or whatever. And the games, and, and we was pretty good too now. We was pretty good as far as, you know, ranked in the state. I think we was probably top five, mm-hmm. you know, top five teams in the state my whole time at Butler. But our girls games used to be packed. Yes. To where, like, I mean, the JV play, the girls be packed, and then we became solid. So a lot of the fans <laughs> used to roll over to some of our games, but most of the episodes from the girls early on, man, they used to be blowing people out. Like, I remember the state championship game, they'd be somebody about 1,100 points. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Right. They killed us when I was a freshman. And, yeah, I played at Lee, so they killed us my freshman year. Press and shoot threes. Press and shoot threes. Press yes. and shoot threes. And and and, and uh, Tashika was the you can go to her and get a bucket if you need a bucket, but if not, it was up and down. All D Cummins, uh, Joy, all all them girls, man. So I, yeah, that that was yeah, absolutely. Was a good time. In this day and age, you're called Tashika Morris a walking bucket. <laughs> <laughs> right. She can she had to pull up mid-range. She can post. I mean, she was the she was the linchpin and all of that. You know, she she kind of she did everything, you know. So yeah, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. So after Butler, you went to University of Cincinnati. Did you play with Chad Moore? Any yes, yes. Me and Chad played together in college. I was six A player of the year, my senior year at Butler. I um first team I'll stay six A, whatever. And then I ended up going to Cincinnati. I was going it was between Alabama and Cincinnati. I ended up choosing to go to Cincinnati because I and I went up there and I think Chad Chad came up at my my junior year so my junior beginning of my junior year was Chad freshman year so we played good one year okay okay and just talk about your experience while you played in Cincinnati uh it's crazy at the time you know Cincinnati like it was the number one team in the country so they were sponsored by Jordan number one team in the country and you know coach come in recruit you or whatever now when you get to campus you got like week to kind of get your mind right to get your mind right (laughs) You got like a week to understand. He give you a week. He don't say, man, that second week of practice. Oh, my goodness. He treats you like you're a veteran. I mean, cussing, fussing. I mean, but it, it, it was good for me. Coming from Alabama, man, coming from high school in Alabama, I mean, you, you can contest it. It's in high school, you're going off talent. Right. You know, everything's talent. You, like, I remember this crazy story. I used to block a lot of shots in high school. So when I got to college, taking charges. Like, yes. coach, like, you got to take a charge. And I'm like, what? Why do I take a charge for? Like, <laughs> and I remember, man, my first practice, like, my first week of so week of practice, coach was getting on me for not taking charge. And he made me line up under the basket. And he, I had to take a charge on the whole team. Oh, now, geez. and then he let me, then he took a charge on me, you know, at the end of that, like, oh, uh, you know, type deal. But uh, it, it's just amazing. Like, I, I learned so much. It, the strength and the speed of the game and then the being in multiple places, you got study hall and practice and trying to fit all that into your daily schedule. It for a freshman, 18 year old, it, it's it, a lot. It can be yeah, it, it don't slow down into like your sophomore year. It slows down a little bit. But that freshman year, man, you you a deer in headlights. You just you can't even remember what's you just don't want to be late to that. Right. I guess that's the key. Yeah. yeah, man. We used to practice three hours a day. Oh geez. Every day and, and out of them three hours two hours was on defense so two about two hours 215 was all def- defensive slides and stuff like that so it, it made me a, a made me a better player cerebrally like knowing what defense is trying to do and trying to find the soft spots and zones I, I became more of a student of the game but great experience for me great experience. so comparing the Cincinnati coach I'm assuming it was Bob Huggins at the time right Bob Huggins yep and Jack Dawes compare those two what's the difference what's the similarity? Uh, Jack just let you be you when I 
I said that. Jack Jack was more of strengths came from letting us play. You know, I don't know how key. I don't think kids play like we played back. Mm-hmm. I mean, we used to play all day. I mean, Jack used to open the gym and just let us play, 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 play. So we was familiar with each other. We knew each other's spots. We knew each other wanted to ball. So when the season rolled around, it was easier for us. Bob Huggins and Jack wasn't a fussing and cussing type person. You know? mm-hmm. Jack, I ain't, I ain't never heard Jack Dawson cuss. At least not not as to a player. Now, he probably said stuff to a referee, you know, but to a player. Fast forward to Bob Huggins, totally opposite. Gonna cuss you. And I think Huggs, his approach was to try to get under your skin, right? So he'll do and say anything to get under your skin to make you react the way he wanted Because the main thing out of him was the reaction. Right. Was what it's gonna take for me to get this kid to be fired up and go out here and play hard. So he, he had those, and his way of doing it was getting on you multiple times. So yeah, it, it was a different, I mean, going from Jack to to, to Bob Huggins was man, but I had a daddy that was kind of cussing and fussing, so it wasn't as bad. But it, man, it was definitely a, a it was definitely a learning, especially my freshman year. My freshman year was was probably my toughest year. So how do you deal with that from a mental standpoint, right? Because that's one of the areas I struggle with going from high school to college. Because in high school I ran it all, right? I kind of mm-hmm. control what happened. Get to college, mm-hmm. I have somebody that's similar to Bob Huggins, but not all the way like Bob Huggins, and that mentally mm-hmm. I just couldn't get past that. So talk about that mental aspect of getting through that type of obstacle with your coach and the what he brings, different type of things he brings. Well, one of the things that helped me was that I had other guys that I came in with, right? So I had another freshman guy named Phil Williams I came in with. So we used to talk, you know, I had somebody I can at least talk to and say, hey, man, coach tripping, man, boom, 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 you know, whatever. But I also had my dad was big for me because, because once I understood the main thing with Huggins and, and and if I had to do it all over again, I would have had a better approach than I had, but I had a pretty decent approach is that he just want the best out, right? So when you look at the grand scheme of things and when you put it all on the table and realizing that he want the best out of you, then once you, once I got learned and then realized that he's getting at everybody, it ain't just me, then it made me say, okay, cool, but let me try to do what I need to do. And then as I became older in the, in the program, my sophomore, junior, he ain't had to yell at me. When I said he still yelled at me, of course, but it's because I knew when I was messing up. I knew when I, you know what I mean? Like, you already know, like, oh, here's coach. What it, what it does is, as you become older in, in it, you start tuning them out. You see what I'm saying? Because it ain't about, you know he gonna say something, but you already in your head, like, okay, yeah, I know I messed up. I was, I was late on that ball screen. I should got up here a little early or whatever. But it wasn't as bad for me because, like I said, my dad was a little tougher on me, so uh, it wasn't as bad as I got more in the program. Now, if I had to fast forward over again, I, the different approach I had, because I was young, so I had an approach to where I was one of these, and I think my brother, my brother is, I think, is that I need a little pat on the back sometimes. You can't beat me down all the time. All the time. You got to have a balance. Right. Just a balance. You got to, Coach, tell me just one time. If you ain't got to tell me, you would just tell me one time. Or, hey, hey, see how raw? Just one time and I'll go to bat for you. Right. But, you know, Hugs did more of that reverse psychology and beat, beat, beat to where by the time I got to be my junior year, it got a little draining because I wanted to play for another style of coach. I want to play for a coach that just let me do my, I mean, just, you know, talk to me as instead of all the yelling and cussing and fussing. So, yeah. Right. I understand that. Because, I mean, I honestly, I think that's why there's been so much change in the coaching styles in college because athletes these days aren't really going for that 
all that cussing. That's the out on work no yelling. more. No, yeah. Work. yeah, we nah. kind of passed that phase, yeah. that phase right you know, now. So you left Cincinnati. And so where did you end up at after you left Cincinnati? I after my junior year, I graduated Cincinnati after my junior year. And a funny story, I went into coach office and said, Hey coach, I'm you know, man, I want to transfer going to my senior year. Because funny funny story, I wanted to transfer my sophomore year at the end of my sophomore. I was gonna transfer back to the University of Alabama. Everything was in stone. My dad talked me out of it. So fast forward my junior year, I was able to graduate and I ended up transferring to the university, to, to Tennessee State. And the reason why I transferred to Tennessee State was because it was closer to home, which my dad was able to come to all my games. And they offered a program, which was sports administration that University of Cincinnati didn't offer at time. So I was able to get my master's degree in sports administration. It was my first year I sat out. And then my second year, I was able to get a graduate degree and play my last year at Tennessee State. So um, that's one reason I transferred, decided to transfer. I wouldn't, when I said I was transferred, Tennessee State wasn't even on my top list. It's just that once I started putting two and two together and realized education and being able to get a master's degree is something that I like and being close to home, it worked out. For me. Right. So talk about that experience at Tennessee State. I mean, going from predominantly white school to going to HBCU yeah. and I'm sure the athletic funding is not the same either. Yeah. It was quite different as far as, because at Cincinnati, we were sponsored by Georgia. So we, we used to get, I mean, Jesus, 25 to 30 pair of shoes every year, <laughs> laced up. You had money in your pocket. You know, when I said, hey, if you needed, you know, little summer jobs or whatever, go to Tennessee State now. The good thing about me coming to Tennessee State, I knew what it was before I decided to go there just off of my experience of being around Alabama and m So I kind of had an idea with what I was going to experience. So, and then I ended up taking all the stuff that I learned in Cincinnati in the weight room and stuff like that. And I just implemented it for us, for me. But uh, it, it was a, uh, the athletic part was a little struggle, but the socializing was great. I mean, it was, it was, I mean, it was night and day. So I, I, I enjoyed myself. I should say, and I'm glad I was able to sit out a year because if I had to play like the rules they have now, you can play. You can play. I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have been as good because I party. I was hanging. You know, what I mean, just trying to get custom to school. It took me a year to get my mind right. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad I was able to, to do that at the time. Hey, they say it's nothing like going to HBCU. Some days oh, I man. like, I think, man, I wish I went to the HBCU. The right HBCU. The right ones. It's some that you know, and I love AM, you know, but I don't think AM has it's more like you gotta know people. But at Tennessee State, I mean Nashville, you got all these different schools. I mean, you can just be a random person and just have a great college experience. You know, you ain't really gotta be friends or hang out with a whole I mean, you can go to fish, you can go to Bandy. I mean, it's Nashville was not pretty good college town, pretty good college town. So after you left Tennessee State, you went professional, right? So just talk about that, what you did from a professional standpoint with basketball. After I left Tennessee State, I played my first professional season. I played in Hungary, played for a team called Abercrombie in Hungary. Played my first year there. We went to the finals. I lost in the championship. And then I played Austria, Switzerland, Belgium, France, and Germany. I played five years professionally overseas in all different spots. Some of the best experiences of my life. Had to cut it short. I had five knee surgeries in that time, too. Four knee surgeries in that time. The last one I had was after the fact. But yeah, so I, 2010 was my last year playing, played in Switzerland. I knew it was my last year. I knew it was close to my last year, so I wanted to kind of, I averaged a double-double my last year. It was closure for me, for my personal experience. But a great time, great experience, great food, great teammates. You have those overseas stories where, you know, I only not got paid one time, and that was my last year. Team held some money for me, but other than that, it was a great experience. So when you said you knew it was your last year, like, how did you know? Because it's just, I was in pain. 
I played through pain. Statistically, you couldn't tell, but physically, I had uh, I had knocked a hole under my kneecap, so I had to get that cleaned out. I had tore my meniscus twice, so it just was one of them decisions to where I was saying, you know, I got a graduate degree and all this stuff. Do I want to continue to play and be hurt every year, or do I want to just fast forward and get into the field of working? I know it's gonna be some bumps and bruises. I know it's gonna be some turbulence early on, but the earlier I get in, the better I can be when it's time for me to be uh better I can be laid on in life. And you know, the toughest thing <laughs> mentally <laughs> is when you play sports all your life. This is all you know, right? Never had a job for real that wasn't sports related. And then now you in the real world and you gotta learn how to get up and take a lunch break and be on it's it's it was difficult. And you gotta learn how not the money you used to getting, you're not gonna get that seven, eight thousand dollars a month. I think every person who had a chance to play ball overseas for a good time today experience it for real. Everybody have an adjustment period moving back, getting back in the world because the work world ain't like that. You know what I mean? You, you got to show people you're going to be there. Show them you're going to be on time. Show they got to trust you. And are you going back overseas and all this stuff? So it's just, it's so difficult, but I'm glad I, I stopped when I stopped and was able to get into my life after basketball. I understand that. I understand that. So after you decided to transition to the real world, you know, as we say, talk about that. So what was next? You, I think, I think you ended up coaching. I, yeah, I coached at Columbia State Junior College for a year. One of my uh, sister coaches while I was at Tennessee State ended up getting a head job at Columbia State. And they, they knew how much cerebral I was, so he wanted me to come in as, as a sister coach. I was all for it. I was done playing. I'm like, cool, you know, sister coach or whatever. But I want to say at the time, the stipend for assistant coach at Junior College was like $600 a month or something crazy. It was like $680. I don't know what it was a month. So trying to adjust with that, I was trying to teach classes there so I can kind of supplement my money or something. But but what I learned about myself in that particular situation was is that I love sports. I love basketball. But at the time, I did not like it that much to where I'm in the poorhouse because I'm chasing guys that go to class and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, I coach for one right. year and I'm like, bro, like I love it. It's cool, but nah, I'm, I'm going to have to go somewhere where I can make some money. So, yeah. Absolutely. I I can completely relate. I have a undergraduate degree in computer science. And so when I left Georgia State to come back to Huntsville, I really want to plan to come back to Huntsville, but I ended up finding a job in Huntsville as a, a defense contractor and uh-huh. as a software engineer. And I was like, man some pretty good money and my college coach called me back to kind of work as the director of basketball operations at Georgia State and she told me the salary and I was like in Atlanta nah I can't yeah. I'm not <laughs> yeah, no, this is not where it says so I'm gonna stay <laughs> I'm gonna stay right. where I'm at because I had just bought a house at that time at the age of like 24 and I was like mm-hmm. no nah. so yeah, it's okay. tough it's tough it's definitely something that most people don't put in perspective you know you hear people say oh well I can just I always coach I can always yeah, you can probably, but if you get accustomed to a certain style and a certain things you like to do, you know, that's good for somebody to cut their teeth. And then one thing I also learned about all of that, you know, or, or I learned for myself is that when I realized that it wasn't about what you know, it's about who you know. Mm-hmm. Like one of my college coaches, he was like, look, man, he's like, coaching college basketball is not about what I know. It's about who can you get? Which players can you recruit and bring in? It's plenty of X's and O's guys who can't recruit. 
You know what I'm saying? So recruiting is the main thing to get your opportunity to cut your teeth. And once I realized that portion of it, I just kind of fell into my own little uh, my own little realm. But I've always always been a praying person. I mean, I've always prayed, talked to God, and one of my prayers was to be able to play professional basketball. I asked God for that. He blessed me to do it. And I also asked him when professional basketball is over, I want to be able to have a lifestyle to where I still feel like I'm playing, traveling-wise, and with flexibility, but I'm not, you right. know what I'm saying, be able to take care of my family. God has always answered my prayer, so I, you know, I, I didn't set out to be a college coach, you know, I, it ain't like I said, God, because if I wanted to be a college coach, I think I, I could have, but I just ain't never, that ain't never been my goal. My goal was to be able to earn money and take care of my family. I understand that, I understand that. So, so what are you doing now after you finished, you started to stop coaching? I coached for a year, and then after that, it was more like finding your way, man. It was that whole finding your way in life. I worked a couple audience. I mean, I'm on the first job. I was making like nine dollars an hour, man. I'm like, what I'm gonna do with this, dude? By the time they tax me, oh my goodness. But I had to start there. But I find my way, and then I, I I got an opportunity. I coached for a year, and then I ended up working on the arsenal for a year in the logistics department. It was a good job on paper, sound good, but uh, it had good benefits. So I was able to get my last knee surgery done, okay. to clean up my knee. So I was able to you know do that. <laughs> and then I funny story, one of my buddies that I played with overseas had got into telecom. So he 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 was recruiting. He was like, man, you need to get into telecom. I'm like, man, I don't know if I know telecom. He was like, well, I, don't, I ain't know that either. You getting telecom. So finally, after I was working on the arsenal, got my knee surgery, he hit me up again. And I'm like, okay, how much it pays? <laughs> and he told me or whatever. And I ended up moving to Cleveland, Ohio, getting on as a contractor, like field contractor, like basically overseeing field operation. And that was about 12 years ago. And the rest is history. I've been up here ever since. I've been in Ohio ever since. I've graduated. Now I'm a project manager at T-Mobile. Okay. I do like cell tower upgrades, cell sites. But, you know, funny story, my dad is a construction. My dad owns a construction company. So a lot of stuff I, I already knew mm -hmm. as far as, you know, basic stuff, like learning how to read blueprints, learn how to read drawings, stuff like that. So as I progressed in my career, rest, and, and it doesn't hurt being a tall guy, 6'9", 6'8", 6'9", guy walking around, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Being a construction guy. So I was able to to, to use what I had. And uh, yeah, I'm a project manager. I've been with T-Mobile for, what 11 years now 11 years as a, as a project manager so yeah okay so you talk quite often about your dad i take that's your support system so talk about your support system in addition to your dad but like my mom your mom whoever is yeah. your support system uh, it, it was my dad was majority of my support system when i said my support system uh, my dad was my dad keeps it real probably to a fault but he keeps it real and if you tell my dad my dad was tight if i told him i want to do something he was gonna make sure he gonna put his foot on you know this is what you want to do but my mom same thing she's uh but you know how moms are oh, yeah. Mom, moms with boys it's just it's just you know <laughs> you can tell mom you know moms ain't gonna put too much pressure dad is gonna put the heat on you so i, I think my, my dad has been the most support system i've had my aunties my uncle and also me being a big brother to have a little sip you know I, i've always wanted to be the the one to do it the right way or be the first one to do it you know like prime example i went to school undergrad
undergrad, got my degree, got my graduate degree, played play basketball. All my siblings has went to college and graduate. Now, all of them don't have graduate degrees, but the fact that I was the first one to set the trend and make it put the bar up so high to they said, hey, I at least got a graduate. My big brother, I, he got his graduate degree. I at least got a graduate. I feel kind of prideful of that, but we kind of support each other. You know, being the first one, I mean, I don't know if you was the first one in your family or whatever. Being the first one, you kind of learning as you go. You know, my, my dad talked a good game. You know, my dad's a good guy, you know what I'm saying? But he ain't never played college sports. So trying to, you know, it's only so much you can tell me that I can relate to everything else I'm going to experience myself. But yeah, I, I think my dad, my family, uh, They've been great. I've always said, like, my dad used to drive from Huntsville to Cincinnati, come to the game, turn around, drive all the way back, then get sleep, then do nothing just to see me play. Being a boy, you know, it's like stuff like you ain't got to tell me you love me. My dad doing something like that. I already know he, he messed with me. You know what I'm saying? Like, you ain't got to tell me that. So, so, so doing stuff like that kind of made me realize, you know, show sure how fortunate I was just to have my father in my life, man. Because a lot of people don't have their dad or mom or have my parents in my life. You know what I'm saying? So he, 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 was, he was always there talking me off the ledge in college, you know, <laughs> multiple times. You know, I said off yes. the ledge. But you know what I'm saying? Like, I know what you're talking about. My parents were there, too. They, <laughs> you know, they killed okay. me. They kept coach, me coach, state. They kept me in Georgia my nerves. State. Yeah, yeah. They yeah, kept me so. in Georgia State. That's how. That's how I ended up staying there for the length, <laughs> the length of my time because I was tempted to come back to A and M and right. play basketball. So, but yeah, my dad played collegiate basketball. I mean, collegiate baseball. Sorry, at Mississippi Valley State. Okay. But, but we, mm-hmm. with me playing basketball is completely different. So mm-hmm. we really couldn't relate because he only played it for one year, and mm-hmm. so he didn't really play it for a long length of time. But yeah, so you have one sibling that's that's professional football player his name is Trey yeah. Flowers and who, who does he yeah. play for again he plays for the Miami Dolphins now he's this is his eighth year in the league he he was drafted he went to Columbia High School in Huntsville he got a scholarship to Arkansas played there for four years got drafted by the New England Patriots in the fourth round first pick in the fourth round played there for four years he won two Super Bowls went to three Super Bowls was a starter all three Super Bowls played three years in Detroit and then now one year in Miami you know all of my siblings played sports in college. You know, all my little brothers played. I was the only one to play basketball. Everybody else played football. But he he was a prime example of looking at older brothers, looking at me, see what I did, see what my other brothers did, came up with his own, like, okay, I'm going to take this from him. I'm going to take that from him. I'm going to take that from him. And it worked out for him. You know, uh, he's a great kid, great person, humble. You know, so he he's uh he's year eight. Uh, he's out now. He broke his foot. Oh, he man. broke his what's he got a Liz Frank. So he broke his foot like fourth game of the season. Okay. So he's out. He's out for the year. He's with the Miami Dolphins. My dad probably, you know, if you ask my dad, he probably probably more proud of proud of Trey, probably say, than most. But you know how parents are. You guys. But yeah, he he's been able to to do to do great things. And hopefully some, some great three things more. Some more great. Things. Absolutely. And I'm sure he learned a lot, you know, like you said, from you. You was able to kind of show him the ropes what it was like to be yeah. professional. Yeah. And then, you know, one thing I talked to them, talked to him and my other siblings about is that I I made it reachable. You know what I'm saying? When I said reach. When I went to school, I brought back gear, gloves, stuff like that to make them, you know, like when I went to Cincinnati, I used to have basketball stuff and I used to go to football office to get football gloves, bring my little brother them gloves and stuff. And all that stuff did was make them even want it even more. You know what I mean? Right. You got somebody that's, that can just bend the ropes. And it's a crazy story about me. After my senior year at Tennessee State, I was playing in an all-star game in Cleveland, Ohio, Black College All-Star game. And 
then the um, Tampa Bay Buccaneers called me. Doug Williams called me. I went down. They, they wanted me to come down for a rookie minicamp as a tight end. So I was. I went to Tampa Bay down there for a week for rookie minicamp. Never played. Hey, never played high school football. <laughs> never played nothing. So, but just off my athleticism and my size and ability, because my coach used to tell me like to watch the Redskins here, the Titans here, the Vikings. So I had like multiple NFL teams used to watch. Basketball. So, but make a long story short, I was I was able to bring back all that gloves and helmet and cleats and all that stuff back to my little siblings, man. And uh, I think that was a huge part because you know when you little man, little things like that go a long way. People become fans of teams by just going to their first yeah Cowboys game when they was eight years old and got their right. jersey signed by. You know, it's just it's crazy. But yeah, that's the story behind it. I don't know if he remember it into detail as much, but yeah. I, I always made sure I, I, I kind of gave, let them feel what was, I was the first one to do everything, so. All right, so it's, what happened at the Tampa Bay Bucks? Well, I mean, what they say? Well, well, what happened is I hadn't played, so I, you know, I went there, rookie camp for a week. They wanted me to play in the NFL Europe, because at the time it was the NFL Europe and stuff gotcha. like that. Okay. Me, personally, I did it just because it was an experience, and I'm like, listen, I got cast there, because at the time I was at Tennessee State, I got guys at Tennessee State football team would never get an NFL workout in their whole life and then play football all their life. Right. So the fact that I can go down here to camp, do stuff, do this, I'm all in. And when it came down to that, I had some contracts, I had a couple basketball contracts in place. And my dad at the time, you know, he was like, you need to play football. And I'm like, dad, now if I would have played football now, I wish I would have played like either in high school or one of my years, at, the year I sat out of Tennessee State, I could have played football then, played tiny. It would have been more of a, I could have saw it more, but I, I was locked in going overseas playing basketball and got my contract from Hungary. I was like, I'm going to play basketball. And uh, my, my dad was a little upset at the time, but he, he got over it. <laughs> right. Okay. Wow. That's that's interesting because you don't hear that happen much with athletes kind of across sports like that, especially on a professional level, a sport you've been playing yeah. all your life. And then you get called to do something else that isn't the sport yeah. you've actually played ever. So yeah, yeah, that's exactly that's what happened, man. I got was it Mike Tomlin, John Gruden was the head coach for the mm-hmm. Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the time. Mike Tumlin was special team coach. Marty Kiffin. I mean, I got a picture with everybody, but it, it, it was a great experience. It's crazy because when I first got there, right, they asked you, so what kind of face mask you want? I'm like, dude, like they got a book. It's like a hundred face masks. I'm like, man, I don't know. Like, I don't want to say I don't know because then they'll say, you know, because these are equipment guys I'm talking to, so I didn't want to say I didn't know, but I'm like, oh, yeah, just, well, I was like, what you think? <laughs> you know what I mean? They said, oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I thought that was pretty funny. It, it, it was a great experience. Hey, that is funny. Hey, Sarah, hey, thank you so much for joining us today. It has definitely been a pleasure. And hey, I want you to take care and enjoy. You take care. Okay. All right. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much. All right. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening. Make sure you catch the next episode. Well, that concludes this episode of The Mental Pulse with